Welcome back. You are listening to Once Upon a Stream, a Disney Plus podcast featuring myself, Maddie Shook, as well as my co-host, Megan Mann. Hello. And we're on lockdown, y'all. We're on the biggest lockdown. That um, I was in retail, so I was technically considered essential for as far as kind of they could push it out, but... Things are getting serious, so doing our part to flatten the curve and staying in. And so that's going to be a lot of streaming, a lot of Disney Plus. A lot of Disney Plus. And I've already been out for this is, I'm, this next week will be week three. I work at a school, so that's out. Can't be there. My schools are closed through March, May, sorry, not March, May 1st. May Technically 1st. March as well. <laughs> uh huh. A whole month of April, too. So I'm out for a while. So we got some time. We're going to bring you guys a lot of content. Uh, the word content. It's it's sometimes you're like, is it really going down to this? But yes, plenty of hashtag content. And plenty. For and so that because pretty much streaming is kind of what's keeping everyone sane right now literally the only thing keeping people sane i've seen so many uh like twitter facebook and what are you guys watching tell me what i should watch what are you watching and so fortunately there's a like we've always said a plethora of magical content available on disney plus and so, so we're going to get into it, a lot of it cuz also there were some movie releases that that window of when it got available on streaming got pushed way up so way up <laughs> i really love that like disney was like y'all need frozen too you as- you guys really need frozen too because we feel bad that you're about to be stuck at home with your toddlers who want to be watching elsa and you don't want to watch elsa one anymore you want to watch elsa two that way at least add some new songs into it and right and so it it was a mercy and then it really was we get onward in like next week so oh i'm so excited we're super pumped for that so both of those believe me we're going to be covering very soon yeah so there's a lot of stuff stay stay tuned um once again plug in our insta um at once upon a stream that that way i am also at once upon a stream on twitter but we're going to be a bit more active on the insta and oh yeah given current circumstances and so give us a follow and you'll be able to see kind of new stuff we're going to be covering teases for upcoming episodes and being able to stay up to date while all this craziness is going on but we bringing we- you something to listen to to you know take yourselves out of it for a little bit yeah. and Considering of what we were talking about today, the funny thing of just everyone discussing like what they're watching and like streaming and stuff, of just how a Disney Plus person versus a Netflix person, <laughs> everyone right now is watching Tiger King, which is literally insane. Yeah, <laughs> there's no, there's no other way to say that. It's just insane, <laughs> literally insane, and on the sheer opposite of the spectrum spectrum here's us disney folks we're going to be talking about star girl today exactly and so which is perfectly sweet it's really adorable and so based off of the popular ya book written by jerry spinelli um and that was in 2000 and so if it was super successful i remember the book being really big growing up 
And so Megan has actually read the book. And so you have, yes, I have. more ties to it. So you have the floor. Yes, I read it. Um, oh, was it last year, two years ago? I read it with the kids that I take care of um, because it's in the 101 book of books to read before you grow up. And so we decided, okay, well, we'll read Stargirl um, because, you know, it's a quick one. Everyone says it's amazing. We should definitely read it. So it is, it's it's a classic. Let's put it in perspective. It came out 20 years ago. Everyone has pretty much read it if you're into reading. And it's, it is this really sweet story about being okay with being different and being accepting of those that are different. Um, I think it is a really sweet story, but, and I was really excited. I was, I was really excited to see that Disney Plus was going to be um, making a movie out of it. I don't know what I was expecting. Yeah, that... I don't know what I was expecting because, you know, I mean, I've, I can't, I really can't count the number of books that I have read that have gotten turned into movies, but for some reason I just had no sort of expectation. I got really excited seeing that it was going to be released. I was like, oh yes, they're doing Stargirl. That's so cool. But then I had no expectation literally whatsoever for well, the film itself. I think especially too, because even though you read it, you read it later on, not like... Yeah, I read it as an adult. If we read it, either of us read it when it actually came out. It was one of those where, like, I remember, so the cover with basically the turquoise with just a little, like, star, like, as, like, basically the dress part of the stick figure person. Yeah, that's the whole and thing. Then, and then it was just a really vague summary on the back. So I always put it down when it was, like, choose the book from the library or all of that and so I would just always pick something else and I think I vividly remember do you remember it when like Demi Lovato posted it on her Instagram and she was saying like how amazing this book was and I was like oh maybe I'll read I didn't read it no I didn't read it <laughs> I still did that still wasn't was enough like, to make me read it I was like oh this seems weird and everyone told me to read it but I was like no no and so like Honestly, it's kind of like a hipster movie for kids. You know? Oh, you know what? That's true. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Cause oh, it's that's kind true. Of, it's like 500 Days of Summer, but for kids. Oh my God, it is. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Oh my God, it's true. It is 500 Days of Summer, but for kids. For kids. Oh my god, that's amazing! Oh, it is. Yeah, go on. Because <laughs> they're like high school, right? Is kind of what? Yeah, they're sixteen. Okay. Mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. What, yeah, what what they're supposed to be, and so basically, brief summary of it. It's centered around. So once again, you kind of it, it is kind of funny now thinking about it especially in that paradigm so you take the tropes and like just the puzzle pieces for like a hipster movie and then you also have your kid movie tropes and they're kind of mashed up together a little bit and so but you know with every hipster movie you have your like your male protagonist that is 
fairly bland. Like, if they actually did make this, and like, like I can even see like a young J- Joseph Gordon Levitt playing Leo. Mm-hmm. That's that's the funny part about this too. And so it's just like, you know, you have Leo's just kind of like your basic kid, and now he used to be like out there and fun, but then like you know middle school. Well, it was a mixture of like moving during middle school and stuff that then like kids teased him for being weird and so then he's like okay I'll blend in and just kind of be like everybody else quote unquote and that's what he says like in the book he's like I don't stand out I don't you know make waves or anything I just blend in with the crowd yeah it gets a little melodramatic it's like no one can see me no one can (laughs) hear me and you're just like oh my gosh which is kind of like you know and I think it always makes me whenever people like you know say that I always think back to the time that John Green said like the reason YA can sometimes come off as super dramatic to people is because um you're at a time adolescence is just like adolescence is just dramatic that and it's like an, a lesson in extremes like you feel everything so intensely and and so you're just like in that feeling if you're sad you're sad if you're happy you're happy like you are feeling those emotions real deeply feeling all the feels right and so like that's kind of like when you read it sometimes as an adult you're like oh god i know there were a few po- <laughs> moments in this movie where just like yeah, I'm old. I can't, I can't connect with, like, youth-centric stuff. <laughs> the youths. Like I, like I used to. It's just not there. Because, <laughs> honestly, tracing it back, I don't think I've, like, the last thing that was, like, set in a high school that I really, like, truly connected and bonded with was, like, the Duff. Ugh, I would so say. Good. So great. And part of that too is because literally all of the performers were adults and so yeah they weren't anywhere near teenagers <laughs> yeah like may whitman i think may like whitman was like 26 like, when she made that exactly and like let's be real if if there was a teenager in when i was in high school that looked like mid mid to late 20s robbie amell oh like, my god no one looked like that okay no one <laughs> No one looked like that in high school. Not even Ravi Amel. So, so we can at least give it to Stargirl for <laughs> making but it I seem like these kids were actually in high school. Is when you do cast like people that are actually age appropriate, you're like, oh yes, these are children. <laughs> yeah, these are actual children. These aren't teenagers like every person ever on Pretty Little Liars trying to play high schoolers. Yeah, it's not great. Kudos to Bianca Lawson yeah. for playing a teenager for almost 30 years. 30 so. years. <laughs> 30 years. Or or 20. Like 25. Yeah, we'll meet in the middle and say 25. Because it was like 96 was when she was on Buffy. Yeah, so we'll give her 25. And she still looks like, like a teenager. Tw- yeah. Which is annoying. She's mortal. And so, anywho... Um, there's not a lot of meat on the bone here, so yeah, there's going to be rabbit trails. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But basically, he just blends in, and all of a sudden, it's on his 16th birthday, and then he sees her. <gasps> She's wearing, like, a rainbow horizontal striped sweater with then, like, vertical black and white striped pants with overalls, and it's just so different. And her backpack had a ukulele in it. 
and she had like wispy short hair and yeah minimal <laughs> makeup that kind of thing and so and she was just so different she's so different and it's like it's a small town in Arizona where basically says like nothing happens here at all and I love that they have this trophy case that just doesn't it's just have empty trophies. it's so sad but it's I will like, say though wouldn't you wait until you have trophies before building the trophy case you'd think but oh poor Micah but it's interesting because if if this book came out now her outfits wouldn't even register no because everyone just does whatever they want now because you know if you see it on instagram it's well, fine to do in real, real life star girl would would be on insta she would have oh she would be an insta famous like influencer for her fashions for sure without yeah. a doubt yeah but so that's where there's some like anachronisms of just like because the book was written in 2000 but they still said it present day so there's which is like, weird they bring in some modern stuff but then you're like but if this was really modern it wouldn't go down like this and it's only going down like this because the book was written in 2000 right which kind of changes things like like okay right the book or the movie that we all know and love mean girls right yeah that was we that came out in 2004 before facebook before all that kind of stuff right okay you see it now and you see the musical well now the musical has been updated to include social media right because mm-hmm. that's if it were written today that's what it would include oh yeah you know what i'm saying so it's weird to take a story that's set in 2000 and not bring it to 2020 because it's one of those things when you have to like adapt things for modern you do have to like legit change stuff you can't just let the characters of iphones and like that be the only thing that's really changed right and that's what i'm saying like it is just a paradigm shift yeah and because if i had seen mean girls as is yes i would have laughed but it wouldn't have made sense to not include like the plastics would have been all over social media that's like not even uh, you don't even have to think twice about that so to not include it would have been dumb so when tina fey retweaked it she's like no i'm not an idiot i have to go ahead and include social media in this because if i don't it's not going to make sense the play dear evan hansen completely surrounded by social media yes it's not something that's been remade but it's a book or it's a play set in high school right now so of course it's going to include social media you can't put anything in set in high school now without including it it doesn't work. Yeah. But if you were to say, hey, this is 2000, it would have been a different story. But if you're saying, hey, it's 2020, you need to include the things that are included in modern day. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it's just, it's a weird thing that a lot of times screenwriters have a hard time handling because also let's just be real the vast majority of movies books everything even if it's centered for young people it's often written by like middle-aged people who are are so removed from like the like adolescent experience while also having this level of technology yes yes Uh, it's one of my biggest pet peeves because look look I had a big shift during college where I went from thinking YA was horrible and awful and I would never do it and it was 
all like about the same things. And then I told my friend to read the Hunger Games and she said only if I read Sarah Dessen. And then so I read like the most insane Sarah Dessen to start with, which is Dreamland, which I can't like go into detail because then it'll take away from the surprise in the book. But it's a very dark book. And then I took a college class in place of linguistics because I had no desire to take linguistics. So I took um, what it was. It was like children and young adult literature or something like that. And I like was opened up to like a whole new world of YA. But you can tell the difference between someone who vividly remembers the experience like someone like Sarah Dessen or Jennifer E. Smith or Katie Catugno or you have people on the other end of the spectrum where you're like, oh no, 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 I can tell an adult was trying to write like a teenager and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's not to say that Stargirl doesn't work, but like there's a, for those of you who don't know, there is a sequel to Stargirl called Love Stargirl and it um, shifts perspective. So it ends the same, the book and the movie Stargirl end the same way. Ends with Leo going off to college, wondering where Stargirl went, whatever. Okay, so Love Stargirl starts... Which we'll get to that because that ir- ending kind of irritated me. Yeah, so then it gets to... Then Love Stargirl starts when Stargirl leaves Micah. And then it goes for like a while, like through high school, through the rest of high school, through the rest of college, through like for a while. I can't remember where it ends, if it's like in her 20s or something like that. It has to though, because... She always wonders where Micah is, or not Micah, I'm sorry. She always wonders where Leo is, and, like, should I, like, get back in touch with him? And, like, she kind of keeps tabs on him in a way, because, like, through Archie, and it's like, I don't know. It, It felt weird for him to go from, like, Leo's perspective to... Stargirl's perspective and it it doesn't really work in Stargirl's perspective like the little kids that I take care of we read both together and I was like did you guys like love Stargirl as much as you liked Stargirl and they said no they were like no not really because it just it it didn't work it felt because you can tell when it seems forced when someone is trying to write from a teenage perspective as an adult yeah and it, there were parts of Stargirl that felt kind of forced. And, I mean, should we discuss, like, the central idea? Um, uh, about the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Yeah, so, for those who don't, like, do a lot of, like, film analyses and like read a lot of stuff that break down like tv like tropes in film and television um there's a term called the manic pixie dream girl that was actually started by um i believe his name i was looking at it oh yeah i i just remember yeah, reading so that, that. Was, so that was nathan rubin and so mm. it was for um elizabeth town that were basically it's just this thing that happens um as far as you have your like 
brooding male protagonist that's in like an existential crisis and then he meets this girl oh my god she's quirky and crazy and she gets him out of his rut and like just as like she dresses different and says weird things and gets him (laughs) to live a little and not be such a like stick in the mud and just helps him develop and grow and all of that and then immediately disappears immediately disappears and does she have any personal goals and motivations independent of like, no their relationship no she is there strictly to move like, strictly there just to influence the male protagonist and that's it and that's it and once her purpose has been fulfilled she is off in the wind and, and we don't know where she goes like it is kind of like 500 days of summer in that way or yeah. what's another good example like elizabeth town or oh my god what other one scott pilgrim Hmm. What other ones can I? Manic Pixie Dream Girls. I mean, there are like, you know, oh, duh, like Ramona Flowers. Yeah, that's what I was saying, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, yeah, sorry. Scott Pilgrim, um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, Oh, yeah, I guess uh, Natalie Portman in Garden State. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's kind of what Stargirl is in this sense. Yeah. And so it's one of those things where it's not just that she's quirky. It's just that she's quirky without, like, having any, like, goals, motivations, desires, and all of that. Like, so it's just that the main thing isn't as much, like, the quirkiness of it all. It's what's the like the criticism of it is just that like the character isn't fleshed out like a full person it's okay to have like a weird female character but she has to like want things and have like like the basically to have influence on the story in terms of like it needs like the story needs to be partially hers too and mm-hmm. so this movie is entirely Leo's story and so she's just a part of it and just is like this magical influencer. And that's part of like the whole thing in the movie is just like, is she even real? And <laughs> right. <laughs> and like one of like the like paternal figure adults that he has in his life, played by Giancarlo Esposito, that Ugh. Maybe he has just like a contract with Disney that there's like a certain amount of movies that he needs to do, or maybe he just got that check. And you know, respect. Which like, I okay, because he's just such a great actor, and so he kind of brought him in to kind of give some gravitas to the situation of just like things can be like magical and real at the same time. Because it's once again another thing in hipster movies is just really random professions that like (laughs) most people don't have and so it's just like they're in Arizona and so there's just like this paleontologist that just lives there and has like a dinosaur camp and so totally yeah that's a thing (laughs) (laughs) so totally he offers to say to us and like things can be magical and real at the same time like the dinosaurs and you're just like way (laughs) like 
I'm not trying to like just dunk on this movie and like roast it for for an hour. That's not the goal of this podcast. Like it is very cute, and if you have like young people in your lives, it's definitely a great watch. It is that... cute. It is. It's an but... hour and forty minutes. Like so, like it's not a huge investment of your time. That it's a nice way to enjoy a part of the afternoon while you're shut in, and so. It actually worked out really good timing as far as when this was released on Disney+. Plus. It did, but we need to for sure state that this movie would not have been successful had it been released in theaters. If this was a theatrical release, it would have bombed. It would have tanked. No. Fortunately, and, it has like it doesn't have like a huge budget to it. Like, right, and there's nothing wrong with that, and it's not saying that it's not like a fun little re- watch or anything. Yeah. That's we're not what we're saying, but like real, not it, every release on Disney Plus can be The Mandalorian. In order right. for them, in order for them to do like The Mandalorian and these like cinematic level Marvel series, they're going to have to have some little stuff like Star Girl. Just of it's still content, but it's it's not going to be like have a all the budget behind it you know right right and it's like I don't know like I was telling you before it has the appeal because a ton of people have read this right sure but it doesn't have the same sort of pull as some other novels that have been turned into successful films in theaters um, have had before you know what I mean it's good and it's a fun read and it's a nice little cute read that you you know can read kind of in like a sitting it's not very big um but it does not have the true hollywood staying power of an actual theatrical release it just doesn't yeah it doesn't because there's nothing because it sucks like in terms of like ya and stuff it's like it it was successful but it wasn't iconic in the terms of like the fault in our stars or like exactly exactly and it it makes me sad because a big chunk of the book is not in the film right so a big chunk of it is just sort of glossed over which i was as i'm sitting there and i'm watching it i'm like okay I'm, I'm anticipating that big blow-up fight between Leo and Stargirl where he's like, why can't you just be normal and all this stuff? Because they've already started dating and, you know, it's fine that he's dating Stargirl and everything. And then the football game happens, right? And then once the football game happens and she goes away with the kid in the uh, ambulance, it's very, very quickly mentioned that the school turns against her and, like, you know, they have her on... I think that's when they have her on hot seat and they're talking to her and the girl says, you know, why did you bring me, my brother that bike and whatever? And it's like right after that, there's like a big explosive fight between the two. I won't say explosive, but there's a fight between Leo and Stargirl. And he's like, why can't you just be normal? And like, this is after weeks of like the school has turned on her and they've and like said like, hey, over. you know, you can't. It's um, more of a thing because it was just like a few lines. Basically yeah. When they, and quote, it's unquote, so much more of a thing in the book and you're like kind of waiting for that because and which I guess kind of falls into what we were saying before like if that had happened today it would have been all over social media and it would have been a huge thing and I think maybe because it's not they didn't update that part that they were just kind of like going to gloss over it but it is it's a big chunk of the book that's missing and that's kind of upsetting because you're like okay well where did all of that tension go because then eventually you know like 
they break up and then she becomes Susan and it's like, you know, and then she thinks, oh, there's this moment on the way back, right, from the speech competition and she's she's saying like maybe they'll be really excited for me because I won them a trophy and it's this really nice moment where she's hoping that the school that doing this People for the school like and it, winning yeah. them a trophy right 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 is going to turn the tide and how they feel about her and so that's missing too so you're like well if you take like a big chunk of the movie out and a big chunk of like the internal struggle between between not only like Leo in his own mind, but then Stargirl in her own mind, and like, and there's this, oh, I was waiting for it so badly, there's this and thing. it sounds like from what you're saying of like, that it takes its time to kind of like, go through that whole process, but it does kind of give a bit more focus on Stargirl. Yeah, because she talks about her, it, yeah, and she talks about how, how she has. she does want people to like her. She does. That would actually flesh out her character more. I so, agree, and I think that's what makes this a movie that, that takes it from a movie that could have been really great in theaters, but makes it a streaming service only film because you take out that big meaty part of like, she has, um like I'm watching a movie and I'm almost at the end and I'm like, wait, where's her like bucket of stones? And she says that like, she has 20 pebbles in a bucket or whatever, a basket. I don't know, whatever it was. And she takes one out when she's feeling sad. And she takes another one out when she's feeling even sadder. And then she, there's a point where she tells Leo that like, oh, I'm, I'm down to no pebbles in my basket. Or I only have one pebble in my basket. And that's never happened before. And I'm so sad, Leo. Like, you know, I don't know. It's just, there's stuff that I wish would have still been in there. Mm-hmm. And the, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about the pebble part, might be in Love Star Girl, but like the the rest of it, like the the like tension between the two of them, and like the school turning against her, like it went on for like chapters that the school was against her, and her like moment where she's telling him like I hope that you know when I come back from this there'll be people like happy for me and whatever, and it's just kind of like I don't know if you had put that in there, it would have taken the movie to a different place. And they glossed over it. And it made me really upset that they did that. Yeah. And so I think like I think it's just that they were trying to keep it short. And so they kind of did like the Cliff Notes version of it. But right. It, just, it feels it. It feels very cliff too noted. superficial. Yeah. That and that not- does a disservice to the book. And I'm sure a lot of people who've read the book have felt the same way. Yeah, and so that's always interesting in terms of adaptation of what what stays and what goes and what's get add what gets added and stuff like that. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. Like even that whole like her becoming Susan. It's so short. It's like what like ten minutes of the movie is when she's yeah. Susan before she goes back to being Star Girl, and you're like, it's so it's so much more because when she becomes Susan, it's like literally she, two scenes. Yeah, and she becomes normal, and people start to, like, change the way they're feeling about her, and I don't know. It could have been better, and it, mm, they left out a big chunk of what made Stargirl better, which is disappointing. But I understand, you know, time, time constraints, budget constraints, I understand that, but you got to think about what gives Stargirl its, its weight, Because that seems really kind of the heart of it, of just, like, 
because those are good movies to have in like for a younger audience of just that that whole dynamic of just wanting people to like you and how authentic you want to be and your your weirdnesses and how much you want to show that to other people absolutely that's a huge struggle that like literally everyone goes through and is a good thing to, to like have for the next generation and stuff oh completely and so that's where the other day I was just doing a Netflix party with one of my friends and we were watching um, P.S. I Still Love You. And so we were saying that it is kind of nice that there are now like releases of like set in high school stuff that are a lot less problematic than like what we grew up with in terms of like. Oh, absolutely. Good messaging and pure and that like um, do have some great characters that like kids and teens can relate to and so having that available where because for example like our age ish range we had more of like the aspirational fantasies of like gossip girl and um like pretty little liars where like things were just so over the top and unrealistic not like oh yeah our our experiences (laughs) as young people at all so they were entertaining and like fun escapism and stuff but like you didn't get to have like that catharsis of seeing your experience actually portrayed on like film or television and so like this is a bit closer to it of like it kind of gets to the themes that i think are really good for for the young folks to have oh i agree and yeah but it it definitely could do more it like it it's fine. Basically. It's fine. Basically, yeah. It's fine. You run it down, it's fine. Like, even masterful actor Giancarlo, that, who's amazing and everything, like... Literally everything. He, he came in for a day or two and mm-hmm. did what he could. Like, And even his character was trimmed down to basically nothing. Because he was such a darling old man in the book. And you're like, oh, I love you. But now it's just kind of like the weird, like, sage. He just drops some sagely wisdom. Just had a good few good monologues. And that's why they cast him. Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) It, like, and Maximilio her. Meliano Hernandez, um, you would know as Agent Sitwell in um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and also the Captain America movies. Mm-hmm. And so it's weird seeing, seeing him as just like a nice teacher <laughs> instead <laughs> of like a literal <laughs> agent of HYDRA. And so like, you're like, oh, so you're not a Nazi in this. Like, so you're just a, like a sweet speech teacher. And so that that was kind of funny and then darby stanchfield who you would know as abby on scandal that is leo's mom and she's sweet like that was actually one of my favorite scenes of the movie is when she and leo kind of have a heart to heart and actually talk about because his dad passed when he was like nine or something Mm -hmm. and it just kind of seems like they don't talk about it a lot because it makes them sad and but that they actually kind of dwell on some of the memories and how basically she's able to have this great parenting moment of just that she had to like figure out who she was after her husband died kind of helped Leo and like his journey of just figuring out who he is and how much 
like whether he wants to just like blend in or right truly authentically himself and so that's one thing i will say of like the positives of this the younger performers they are really good like they are they're really good they work really well with what they were given in that um so grace vanderwall she was on america's got talent as a music artist so this is kind of her first like acting situation and like she kind of fits the bill perfectly that she does kind of have as we said like the pixie dream girl vibes and just that she's a little twee but like in a good way that she is captivating and that's just like her kind of deal she's just very ethereal in her presence and so um a bit of slight name drop situation but when i went to d23 um i stayed at this one hotel first like right by the airport when i first flew in before actually driving over to orange county to where the con was and so i got in at like 1 a.m and i was actually checking into my hotel the same time as grace vanderwall and nice with with her whole team and i was like girl you have to sing tomorrow and it's like 1 a.m and not even (laughs) but like i'm like it's 1 a.m i've had this super long uber from from the airport and i'm just exhausted and like look like a bedraggled mess and (laughs) and she comes with like she has like a bob with like two long braids in the front and just kind of like a flowy dress and you're just like this is actually just you wow okay like it's like it's the middle of the night and you don't even look tired and then (laughs) then i i like when back I was at a different panel during like they had a panel for Stargirl and stuff where she like performed and so there's a lot of cute music numbers in this too but which are not in the book by the way he does not ever get up and sing a car song in front of the whole dance but I loved that whole scene I loved that moment it was it was so sweet and so yeah so Grace is great and then Graham Vertier that he basically besides grace and the adults everyone else is pretty much an unknown and so i was really impressed by him that even though it is kind of the like it is slightly the milquetoast protagonist of a hipster movie um but like he is compelling and so you do actually like start to care about him by the end of it and so that i was really impressed with his performance and that it was just it was very real it was very genuine and so i i respect that a lot and i like the they did cast like they still may be like fairly young but they all did pretty much look like real teenagers you know well yeah they did cast the kid from um oh jesse um what's his name what's his name what's his name i got it i got it karan brar he played ravi on uh jesse Oh, gotcha. I haven't watched Disney Channel in a while, but... Oh, well, take care, kids. You'll watch Disney Channel. So, he played Ravi on Jesse, though, and he was the friend, the one who was, like... Yeah, the... Kevin. But he yeah, was he was Kevin. Most, like, the little student show. And so... <laughs> oh, you gotta love overachievers. It was pretty great. And so, like, the... <laughs> But, like, those of just having it, like, it did feel like they were, like, real kids and stuff. And so part of that does create a little bit of a distance of just watching this as someone in their mid-20s. But, like, that it's also endearing because you're like, aw, you're, you're precious babies. 
Yeah. Good for you. They are, they are, I think they're all really cute. Like, I love, oh my god, what is her name? I have to keep looking this up, I'm sorry. Like, I loved all of his friends. His friends were hilarious. Let's see what... That they were just all really sweet, and so that was kind of nice. What's his name? Oh, the guy who plays Benny, Colin Blackford, who is always eating. Like, always eating. And then... Brad Pitt would be proud. <laughs> Anna Cheska Brown played the girl Tess Reed. I loved her too. I love that. Oh, I loved them. And like the f- another thing that got kind of like really dumbed down is um or kind of almost obsolete is her friendship with Dory. Um there's a character in the movie in case you don't remember there's a character named yeah, Dory. She didn't have like lines in the yeah, movie. Yeah. Pretty much. But she's a big character in the book. Like when he can't get a hold of Stargirl or he can't talk to Stargirl or she disappears, like Dory's the only one who has any information for him. And like <sighs> I'm just going to get annoyed again. So let's <laughs> let's just get into that ending. Yes. So then like, I thought the movie was going to end with the dance because I was like, oh, that's sweet. Yay. And it starts sewing and they're dancing and it's just cute. And then all of a sudden she's just gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They have this really great scene and this whole really great moment at the dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that she just leaves. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, you know, suburban legend basically starts to just rise about her of no one knows where she went or all of that and they come up with like crazy theories and stuff was she even ever here oh my blah, god blah, blah. <laughs> i roll but then like so he's talking with um archie john carlo and he kind of offers that he has another sage wisdom monologue and then he's like she wanted you like you to see something and so earlier in the movie it alludes because her room looks fairly normal so he's like where's like and she's like oh my my glitter and my ribbons magic magic." (laughs) it's too much but anyway she's like oh it's in my office where's your office it's a secret it's a secret and so he finally gets to go in the office and then like sees all this stuff and like it's supposed to show that she's like sweet and cares about strangers and stuff but it, it kind of seems like basically a sparkly stalker den and it, i think that is like what he was trying to say with star girl is like she's just trying to do random act of ki- random acts of kindness and let people know that these details don't go unnoticed and that she notices and that them people care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes off kind of creepy. I mean, yeah, she has everybody's, like, birthdays pinned up, and... Like, there's a map with, like, people's addresses and stuff. Yeah, so in in the... I understand what he was trying to say, but with that scene, you're just kind of like, okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So then I was like, oh, so, like, she just saw a photo of him on, like, the wall at the camp thing, and then just, like created like an attachment because she's a weird homeschool kid and then just kind of gave him the birthday presents and so when like the first day she's at the school she knows it's his birthday and sings him happy birthday so then it takes away like some of the magic of just like oh no like this was premeditated and so she just kind of stalked him a little bit yeah and like that's a thing too that like 
it's not just him like he's actually like not the I don't I don't I if I remember correctly in the book, and I'm sorry if I'm wrong, but I don't think he's the first person that she sings happy birthday to, because I think he gets, like, nervous in terms of when it is his birthday, because then he starts getting nervous, like, oh my god, she is going to sing at me in front of the entire cafeteria, and it's going to embarrass me to no end, because I don't like having eyes on me. So I'm fairly certain he's not the it's first. It's like the John Mulaney bit of, you know, when you're 12, and you're like, nobody look at me, or I'll die. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of like that like he states like periodically throughout the story like I don't want anyone looking at me I kind of want to just blend it to the background you know what I mean yeah so it, I don't in the book I don't think she's the first or he's the first one to yeah, do but that just how it's framed in the movie you're like oh well this t- it kind of one scene just sucks so much of the sweetness yeah out of all of it and you're just like yeah okay like if middle or like if elementary or middle school Maddie read this when, like, it was actually, like, first popular, I would have thrown the book across the room. <laughs> like. <laughs> because I'm a, I'm a Disney girl, so I like happy endings and that kind of thing. Or at least endings that make sense instead of, whoops, she's just gone. Oops. And so that's another thing of. At this point in the story, because she did try to blend in for a bit, she does have a phone. So then it's like, it takes away the mysticism of it. It's not, like, quirky and weird that she leaves. Then it's just rude. And, like, she (laughs) has a phone and she could text him and she doesn't. Because I understand in 2000, if your family abruptly moved, then it's just like, whoops, you're gone unless you like memorize their phone number and stuff and give them a call or remember their address to write them a letter but now you have text messaging so if you can't send a dang text like girl like come on you were dating him like come on you don't just disappear you don't just disappear then it's like a (laughs) you don't just disappear not in 2020 so it's a mixture. We were like, 500 days of summer for kids. Gone girl for kids. Oh, God, don't say gone girl for kids. <laughs> you can't say gone girl for kids. <laughs> oh, my God. But Star Girl, she, she is a cool girl. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. I hate it. <laughs> but you know what we're saying is like you know you wouldn't just you can't do that in 2020 no you can't do that in 2020 so i think that's honestly where some of the biggest flaws of like the whole thing it just it does it's just so interesting that disney chose this as one of their like first off projects right it's weird it's weird Basically, it's a weird choice. It, like, my speculation is, like, because it was a successful enough book, it is technically a recognizable IP, but yeah. it was a cheap IP, <laughs> and so that's kind of, I think, how that got chose to be adapted, and so... Because right now, so much YA stuff has, like, fantasy elements to it that then make it expensive. So, yeah. also just the YA dystopia or fantasy stuff that's kind of 
out of vogue, if you will. Right. And so, yeah, that it's just interesting that it got adapted for this and that it got adapted 20 years after the book came out. And so it just makes it kind of odd, but it is cute. So if you have like, like teenagers or like tweens and stuff, I do recommend like seeing it with them that they'll enjoy it. It's a nice like family movie to enjoy together. Yeah. That there, there's just corks to it, but that's part of the, the magic, if you will. Yeah. We'll go with that. We'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> and so stay tuned as far as keep up with our socials. And so you'll get to see um, a lot of new episodes coming out. And um, we might still space them out a little bit. And just we might just have a crazy backlog of recorded episodes during this time period. And so we'll, we're going to kind of work out those details. So you'll kind of see updates as everything progresses. In but we do have to say... Disney's about to drop some serious gems. Like, we're about to get Onward this week. We're about to get the Natalie Portman-driven documentary. We're about to get the Meghan Markle documentary. Yes. Which we have so much to discuss there. Because that's her first job post-royal life. Indeed. So we have to discuss that. And it's about elephants, which are my favorite animal. I think we might do a double feature on that one as far as... The Natalie Portman and the nature documentaries together good smart i like it but so a lot of big plans and so once again on both twitter and instagram at once upon a stream and give us a like and a follow and we do appreciate your engagement that does mean a lot and also in any of the posts um you can comment on any of our posts or um feel free to tweet us as far as during this time of what you're streaming or what you would want us to talk about. Absolutely. Love to hear your feedback. And so um, we have a few plans, but those can stay flexible too. So we definitely want to know what you want to hear us talking about. Absolutely. But once again, I'm Maddie. I'm Megan. And thank you again for listening. See you next time. And stay inside. (laughs) Stay inside. Wash your hands. Wash your hands a lot. All right flatten the curve, y'all. Yeah. Bye. Bye.